This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. And trying to make an adjustment on the ball is Michael Pittman. He catches it, and he rumbles across the goal line. Touchdown, a 42-yard strike. Aaron out downfield, down the far sideline, looking for Zay Jones, and it's intercepted by the Colts. He's in! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined every week by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks, breaking down the Colts' latest game. And Bill, the Colts win 27-20 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are now 2-4 and four at Lucas Oil Stadium this year. I wrote about it on Colts.com. It is a big win, just kind of checking the box of taking care of home field in the AFC playoff race, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of this game, Bill, I just want to take a step back and talk about where the Colts are at six and five right now. Mm -hmm. This is a team that began the season without Jonathan Taylor for the first four games. When Jonathan Taylor came back, Anthony Richardson almost immediately sustained a season ending injury. So you lost your starting quarterback. You've had Both starting corners on the outside sustain injuries. Dallas Flowers out for the year after week four. Juju Brents has not played since week seven. Grover Stewart suspended starting in week seven. Shaquille Leonard, a team captain, a popular player in the locker room. He is waived last week. And the Colts are six and five. And they've won three games in a row. This probably being the most impressive win to me, just with all three phases, Bill. But what does it tell you about this team? That the Colts right now, as we speak, as you are listening to this, are the seven seed in the AFC playoffs. What does it tell you about this team? Well, first of all, it says a lot about the character of the guys that are on the team. You know, the guys that are there and uh, the leaders of the team, DeForest Buckner's, Isaiah Franklin's, making sure that these guys are going out there playing hard, uh, playing well, and there are going to be things that happen in the National Football League. As you mentioned, uh, the JT issue, then Anthony Richards getting hurt, and in the corners, um, missing games and missing times, and then Grover Stewart, and then, you know, just recently with Shaquille Leonard, all those things happening, uh, but the guys have stayed focused on what they need to do, and that's go out there and play football. In the National Football League, things are going to happen, and you have to just kind of move on and you know, you hate to say, hate to sound that cold about things, but unfortunately, that's the way it is in the National Football League, and you have to just move on. And these guys have done that. They just, the next man steps up, the next person who's in there, um, the guys support them and help them out so they can be ready to play. And then you go out there and just play football, uh, do the things you did when you were a little kid, just go out there and have fun and, you know, carry out your assignments, and hopefully, good things can happen. And give credit to the coaches also to keep these guys focused on what they need to do out there in the football field. There are a lot of things that happen that it's out of the player's control and they can't control those things. They can't control injuries and those things happen, but the guys have uh, done a good job of going out there, focusing on the game and not letting outside things distract them from the purpose of going out there playing football. All right, let's start diving into this game, Bill, with to me, the play of the game. And it comes with 9-11 left in the game. Colts are up only 20-17, to 17, fourth and one on the Tampa Bay 49-yard line. <laughs> and in comes Zaire Franklin on offense. 
<laughs> and you're going, what in the heck does Shane Steichen have dialed up here? So Zaire Franklin reports into the game. Blake Freeland reports into the game. So the Colts have six offensive linemen. And I mean, this is a this is a goal line heavy personnel, the heaviest personnel we've seen the Colts put on the field all year. Tampa counters with their heavy personnel package. Mm-hmm. And this play, I this is awesome. Like, Bill, you know as a player, there are not many opportunities in a game, in a season, where you've, you have you develop a play, and it's like, hey, this play is going to work against this exact look. And then you call the play, and then you get that exact look. And this is one of those times where the Colts called the perfect play against the right look. It's a play-action pass, and... <laughs> On it, Mo Cox goes and fakes like he's going to go block down on Devin White, the linebacker, who's kind of crashing in already on the play, thinking, well, Zaire Franklin's on the field. This has got to be a run. Like, if the Colts put a tight end there, like, say say that player instead of Zaire Franklin is Will Mallory, or it's Kylan Granson in that spot. You're thinking, ah, you know, maybe they could throw it out of this, but it's like Zaire Franklin, exactly. I mean, no offense to Z, who says he wants to get targets now. Um you're you're not thinking you're going to throw it with Zaire Franklin on the field. Exactly. So Gardner Minshew fakes the run. He he fakes the run to JT. He holds it a little extra. Mo goes to yep. fake block Devin White, and then he releases. And there's no one thinking this ball is going to Mo like Cox on the Buccaneers. No, Gardner, no. Gardner Minshew floats the pass to Mo. It gains 30 yards. After the game, Mo told me that the Colts had this play designed to be called inside the Buccaneers 30 yard line. So he goes, well, I gained 30 yards. So it would have been a touchdown, (laughs) but the Colts call it on the 49 yard line. Again, it gains 30 yards. The Colts go down and score a touchdown that puts them up by 10, a few plays later, bill, just like the guts to call this play right here, but then to get the, the exact look, I mean, how do you kind of digest the, the almost serendipitous nature of how this play came together? It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I enjoy this play because as you mentioned, JJ, you know, you put Zaire Franklin there. More than likely, they're not thinking this is going to be the pass as far as the Buccaneers are concerned because they figure, okay, Zaire Franklin's in there. He's going to block and hopefully open the way for uh, JT to get a first down. Um, so more than likely, they'll probably run the ball. They're not going to pass it. They got their, you know, big pe- big personnel in there. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a good play. Gardner Minshew fakes the handoff to JT, JT acts like he has the ball. And then the offensive line and Mo do a good job of selling the run as far as Mo blocking down, uh, acting like he's trying to block someone. And then all of a sudden he just releases down the middle of the field and Gardner does a good job of acting of acting like he handed the ball off and kind of delaying a second and then turns around and throws the ball to, to Mo Ali Cox and, it's a nice play, the big play, and it's a lot. It takes a lot of guts to run that play on fourth down and for them to make that big play. And I was uh, telling Greg this on the on the post game show. We had a play just like that in college. Um, we ran it roughly about the same place on the football field, okay. roughly around the 45, 50 yard line, around there. And uh, it's only thing different that we did in college was the running back when he faked the handoff the quarterback, the running back would dive like he's diving over for the <laughs> first down and he doesn't have the ball, but he acts like he has the ball and the quarterback does the exact same thing Gardner does. He kind of 
hands it off and kind of delays. And then in the last second, he throws it down the field uh, to the receiver. So we had the same, almost the same exact play that we ran in college. And there was a, a play was executed today by Mo Ali Cox, Gardner Minshew, the offensive line, Big Z, JT, all those guys they did a nice job. And uh, I'm glad uh, Mo got a big catch there to get the ball down the field. And then the Colts, of course, moved on down the field and scored for a touchdown. So the story behind this play, Bill, is when the Colts were game planning for short yarded situations last week, Tom Manning, mm -hmm. the Colts tight ends coach, who used to be the offensive coordinator at Iowa State, came in and said, hey, why don't we do this? And Shane Steichen's going, OK, yeah, yeah, like I, that could work if we get that look. Who's playing fullback? And they kind of talk about it a little bit <laughs> and they land on Zaire Franklin. And I mean, it, it, again, it's like. You, you can be like, oh, ha ha, like Zaire got in there. But mm -hmm. I think that added a little something to it of just like, if you're selling that you are running the ball here, you put Zaire Franklin in there. I agree with you on that. I mean, I think that sells the play right there. You know, you put someone in there that more than likely you don't think is going to go out for a pass or anything like that, or, or, you know, maybe it's not athletic enough to go out there and catch the ball. You put someone in there that's a big guy that's going to hopefully just run, ram right in there and hopefully, you know, push the line to get, get a yard or get a, a two yards there so you can get the first down and hopefully get another set of downs. Um, and Zaire and the Colts sold it that they were going to run the ball. And to me, that's the, that's one of the big, uh, play, big things about that play is to sell it that, Hey, we are going to run the ball. And we, they did everything to show that they were going to run the ball, but that they were downfield and got a big play by Mo Alley Cox. And just like little things with this, where you tie in certain things again to really sell it, like the Colts run power on this. Quentin Nelson pulls from the left guard spot, like the Colts are running power with Jonathan Taylor, which is a short yardage play you would figure you would run. And you know, again, it, it you know it's it's the detail of Mo Ali Cox faking the block to really sell it. Like everything was sold perfectly. But I, I was talking to Mo after the game, and I was just like. You know, kind of like to the point I, I made to you, Bill, of like, you don't get this very often where it's like you get to the line of scrimmage and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is it. We got him. And Mo goes, yeah, it's like I put my hand in the dirt and it's like kid in a candy store. Like, you know, this is going to work. <laughs> He's like, that ball's just floating up there in the air for 10 seconds. You're thinking, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. Um, but this is also I mean, let's not lose sight of the situation this is in where it's fourth down. The mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers came into this game allowing fourth down conversions on 40% of their opponent's plays. That was the sixth best rate in the NFL. This is a good fourth down defense. And the Colts previously had converted two fourth downs, but pre the, the fourth down prior to this one, they had not converted. But Shane Steichen, to call this play in this situation and to say, you know what, I trust my guys, I trust the play, let's go get it. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I think you can build on in a playoff race of that trust just growing between the coach and his team and then the players going out and rewarding that trust by executing the play. Yeah, when when the when the coach shows trust in the players and the players can go out there and execute the play and then the players believe that the coach trusts them to go out there and execute the play um, and then they do go out there and execute the play, that does a lot for the team. That does a lot for the players knowing that, hey, the coach trusts us in these crucial situations that, you know what, when it's fourth and one or, 
it's late in the game and we need a big play that, you know, he's going to put us in position to, to make a play and he trusts us to go out there and execute the play. And that, that does a lot for the confidence of the players as far as when they go out there and play. And it does a lot for the coaches knowing that, Hey, look, I can trust these guys that when we put them in a situation where it's a fourth down or it's a crucial situation, they are going to produce and, and make the play. So, you know, hats off to the coaches for trusting them. Hats off for the coaches for putting the play in. I, I, I love the design of the play. Uh, I love all the plays that they they did and ran, and especially the one with Pittman, and Pittman catches them one mm-hmm. on fourth down as well. So, you know, it's just exciting to see these guys when they go out there and, and what they're going to do each and every week because it seems like it's something different uh, every week. It's a, if it's a fourth down play or if it's a – a third down play near the goal line or a fourth down play near the goal line. They do something different, um, something that the other team hasn't seen. If it's a different personnel, different formation, if it's running the ball, throwing the ball, um, they do something different to keep the teams off balance. And I love to see that. So it's kind of exciting and you're kind of looking forward to the next game and see what the coasts are going to do offensively. That's going to be a little bit different than they have done in the past. Well, talking about that, that fourth down to Pittman. This is another yeah. one. I mean, I think it's probably going to get lost in, you know, the, the the kind of wash of the game with Mo having that big play, but another just like awesome play call by Shane Steichen. Exactly. Where you have Pittman, Bill, kind of lined up almost as an H-back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Colts on fourth and, and one, they run a fake to Zach Moss. And that gets the uh, the defensive back there number 23 or number 29, Jamel Dean, who's supposed to be in coverage on Pittman on the play that gets him to bite. So he crashes down and run support thinking, all right, it's fourth and one. They're just going to, they're going to run it to Moss here. And then you have, you know, you're getting man coverage on the outside. So Downs and Pierce both run off their defenders and Pittman's just wide open. You get 24 yards on that on fourth down. I mean, the Colts on two, fourth down plays gained 54 yards in this game <laughs> like that's two fourth and one plays near midfield to get 54 yards that's awesome and that, both of those great. fourth down conversions led to touchdowns bill exactly i mean and that and that's and that's to me the beauty of it uh the coaches are trusting the players that hey look we're running these fourth down plays not just to get the first down and, and things like that yeah we we need the first down but we want to finish these drives off. We want to score touchdowns. We want to get some points. And the Colts did that. They got points off of those uh, fourth down plays, not off those fourth down plays, but those drives that they yep. continue after the, of the fourth down plays that they were successful on. So um, it's great that the guys did that. It's great to have those plays and to see what the, the coaches design and how the players go out and execute it. And it's, and it's someone different, you know, one was Pittman and one was Miley Cox. So, that shows you the coach has trust in all these guys out there. So to put those guys in position to make plays, and that's the beauty of it. The the opposing team doesn't know who's it going, who, which guy's going to be in regards to who's going to make the play to get that successful catch or run for a first down on fourth down. And that's the, to me, that's one of the beautiful things about watching this team go out there and play. It's something different each and every week. And it's exciting to see. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking forward to what's going to happen next with this Colts offense. All right. So that's two plays out of 70 that we've kind of dove into (laughs) here, Bill. (laughs) Um, On a more down to down basis for the offense, 
The Colts run the ball 27 times for 155 yards. They average 5.7 yards per carry. This is against a Buccaneers defense that entered week 12, fifth in the NFL, allowing 90 rushing yards per game and 3.7 yards per carry. And Bill, I talked about it with you guys on the pregame show. Just like I I was fascinated as to what tweaks Shane Steichen was going to bring in coming out of the bye week. And yeah, you got your kind of designery plays here on fourth down, but on a down-to-down basis, the Colts found a solution running the football. And Jonathan Taylor, he goes 15 for 91, 6.7, 6.1 yards per carry, excuse me, with two touchdowns. Zach Moss, eight for 55, 6.9 yards per carry. This is a good day for the Colts running the football against a front led by Vita Vea, who's one of the best run defending defensive tackles in the NFL. Colts going for what they did on the ground. That was huge. That is a huge positive thing for the Colts to build on going into the the latter part of the season here. It's definitely huge for these guys to, you know, for them to build on knowing that, Hey, they can run the ball when they need to run the ball. And I, I like that what they did as far as they did a little up tempo uh, during the game to kind of, you know, keep them in. So they couldn't do some different things on defense and keep them off balance there. But Give the offensive line a lot of credit for opening up some holes for these guys and and pushing those guys. Uh, I won't say pushing them around, but just holding them off and, and opening up the hole so uh, JT and Zach can get some some running room there and make some big plays. And those guys made some big plays. You know, you had JT one of his longest runs. His longest run was 17 yards, and Zach Moss' mm-hmm. longest run was 16 yards. So it wasn't just you know plow you know yard here yard here. They would make some big runs there and. Give the offensive line credit. And then you have, you know, you put Wesley French in there and Kelly's out. Give that young man credit for going out there competing and playing hard and playing well. And for the rest of the guys rallying around everyone to make the plays out there. So these guys can run the football, talking about Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. And those guys know that those guys are going to run hard. So it makes it a lot easier for those guys to block uh, for them. And knowing that uh, they're going to make some positive yards, and it's easy for Zach and Jonathan to run, knowing that the, the offensive line wants to plow these guys and 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 establish a, a physical presence out there in the football field and move the line of scrimmage down the field so they can create some space for those guys to run the football. Yeah, Bill, I'm glad you brought up Wesley French uh, because this is a kid who was an undrafted free agent last year out of Western Michigan, doesn't play at all in 2021, and. He's started three games this year for the Colts, two of which have come against the Ravens and the Buccaneers, two of the most blitz-heavy teams in the NFL. And the the Buccaneers didn't blitz as much as I think you might expect in this game. On Gardner Mitchell's 45 dropbacks, Tampa Bay blitzed 14 times. That's below their season average of about 48%. But on those 14 dropbacks, Gardner Minshew completed 8 of 14 passes for 107 yards and wasn't sacked. And I talked to Quentin Nelson about this after the game, like how how impressed he was with just the, the mental load that Wesley French has to take on as a center who doesn't have a ton of NFL experience going against a Todd Bowles-coordinated defense. <laughs> and Q said, you know, it, it it's a testament to the work that he's put in, but also the questions that he's been asking. Like you said, they'd be going through blitz stuff and and Wesley French would say, okay, well, what if they do this? What if they do that? And that, just that preparation that he has brought into every game, you can tell that the line trusts him and the entire team trusts him as at center to get those calls right. And today it worked. And, and I think Tampa probably didn't blitz as much because Levante David wasn't in this game. 
their yeah. their star veteran linebacker. But still, when Tampa did blitz, it was not as effective as they've generally been this year. And that's a testament to a, an offensive line that didn't have its starting center, who's, by the way, the most experienced player on the team in that game at that position. Well, give those guys credit. You know, they did a good job of prepping for the game and, and getting ready and give Wesley French uh, credit also, not just prepping for this game, but, you know, he's prepped all along, you know, so he's stayed abreast of what's going on. So he knows uh, the things that are going on. So this is not anything new for him, but he also was a guy that's very inquisitive, wants to find out, Hey, if they do this, if this happens, what should we do here? What do we need to do here? Or what's the best uh, call to make? What should, what should we do? And that is good. I mean, that's good for someone to, to be thinking about those things, but someone that is uh, very concerned and and uh, looking out for the best interests of everyone else out there on the, on the offensive line, but he's going out there executing and playing, and that's what that's what guys that are professionals do. You go out there and you stay prepared, no matter if you're playing or not playing. You want to prepare like you are going to play, and give Wesley French credit. I mean knowing that he was going to go out there and play it did a nice job. And the guys rallied, rallied around him and supported him. And the guys did a nice job. They did a nice job opening, opening some holes for the running game and give those guys credit and give Gardner enough time to, you know, complete some passes out there. And yes, Gardner did get sacked twice, but you know what? Give the offensive line credit. They did the job they needed to do to create holes and give Gardner enough time to pass the ball. Defensively, this is a game where, you know, yeah, I know Mike Evans, you know, he got his. He had two touchdowns in this game, including a 26-yarder. But ultimately, the Colts defense finished the game out. And that's something that has been an emphasis for that group. But, you know, hey, if if we have a chance to win the game for us, we we got to go do it. And for Samson Ebicom, yes. um, third and fourth, <laughs> the, like the ball's at the Tampa Bay 41-yard line. Tampa Bay needs a touchdown. This game is not over yet. And no one near over. No, no. And Epicom comes screaming off the edge against Tristan Wirfs, who is a yes. really good player, like a really good NFL left tackle. And gets that strip sack. Like that, that's the kind of play right there that playoff teams need. That legit contenders need. And Dio Dangbo recovers the ball. Colts go down, Jonathan Taylor winds up sealing it. But for the defense to do that in that situation, that is that, again, that's that's what you need as a playoff contender. It's not going to be just on the offense. You've got to get plays by the defense like this. And Samson Epicom, he he made the play. And he made the play that didn't clinch the Colts win, but basically made it uh, you know, as close to a formality as possible that the Colts are going to win the game. Yeah, and that's what you want. I mean, you know, that's that's what you talk about playing team football to me. You play team football by, you know what, when it's the defense's time to defensive defense's time to make a play, they go out there and they make a play. Samson Ebicon needed to make a play. Someone on defense needed to make the make a play, and he did. He gets a strip sack there and Dio recovers it. And the guys played well. They played what they did what they needed to do to win the game. And that's what you want those guys to do uh, when they step out there and give Samson credit. I think, you know, I think he's been playing well all year long, um, doing a nice job, putting pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks, getting tackles. You know, he had two, uh, two sacks today and, you know, uh, four uh, combined tackles. So 
give the young man credit. He's doing a good job out there. And and so it was in Dial. Dial was playing well, mm-hmm. and then a lot of his guys playing well. And, you know, the Colts with six sacks today. You know, you have uh, like we said, Dio has a half a sack. You have uh, Land has a sack. You have Pay has a sack. So those guys went out there and, and did a nice job. So give those guys a lot of credit, and uh, by putting pressure on the the quarterback and getting to Baker Mayfield and um, you know, keeping him in in the pocket for the most part. DeForest Buckner also had another great game where, yes. okay, he didn't have a sack, but like you turn on the tape, he affected so many plays in this game against the run in the pass. Uh, you know, he's batting passes down at the line of scrimmage. He's exactly. getting pressure on Baker Mayfield. He's getting TFLs. I can't wait for Grover Stewart to come back to see, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it gets DeForest unleashed a little bit more yep. on the interior. We got one more game, by the way, for Grover Stewart to be out uh, before he's able to come back. Again, uh, just another... Just great game to me for DeForest Buckner. And the other guys on that defensive line eat when DeForest is playing as well as he is right now. You know, you talk about Samson getting two sacks, Quiddy gets a sack, Isaiah Land gets a sack, Taekwon Lewis gets a sack, Dio and Adetami Wyatabare split a sack. When DeForest Buckner is playing as well as he did today, he is a problem for any opposing offensive line. And he had a huge impact on the outcome of this game once again. And that's what team football is all about, where guys like DeForest Buckner are out there doing their job. And, you know, while they're doing their job, everyone else is doing their job. And, you know, DeForest might not get the big numbers or big uh, stats as far as tackle for losses or passes deflected or sacks. But what he's doing is doing a job creating opportunities for the other guys to make big plays. And those guys are making big plays. And to me, that's what a leader does. And DeForest is one of those guys out there in the football field that's consistently playing well, doing his job so other guys can do their job. And that's what, to me, team football is all about, especially on one side of the football, either the defensive side of football or on the offensive side of the football. Those each guy doing their job so the whole team, the whole unit can be successful, especially individuals on the team, uh, say like other guys on the team uh, like Samson or Pay or Dio by DeForest is doing his job. So, Hats off to DeForest, um, man, just being consistent game in and game out. And that's what you expect from DeForest Buckner. One other shout out on defense we got to give Ronnie Harrison Jr. Um, <laughs> this guy, this guy converts from safety to linebacker, to will linebacker uh, over the last couple of months since the Colts signed him to their practice squad. And I mean, it, Ronnie Harrison's been in the NFL for for a little bit now. Like this isn't. Some guy of the Colts are like, oh, we're going to take, you know, a flyer on a, a, a project player. This is a former third round draft pick out of Alabama. Got a lot of pedigree. Um, you know, he has he had five career interceptions coming into this game. Uh, started 45 games at safety in his career for Jacksonville and Cleveland. And all of a sudden he comes in at Will Linebacker for the Colts. And he only plays seven snaps, but he gets an interception on one of them. And... <laughs> It's funny, Bill. I'm up. I'm up in the PA booth, and it was the first time I noticed he was on the field. And I kind of, I kind of said to Greg Rakestraw and, and Dave, our spotter up there, like, "Oh, hey, there, you know, there's Ronnie Harrison. Just made that move from a uh, safety to linebacker, and then he goes and picks off Baker Mayfield <laughs> on the next play. And uh, it wasn't the first play he was in the game. Unfortunately, that would have been a great narrative. Yes, but it, that's not easy. Like, let let's not lose sight of how impressive it is that Ronnie Harrison has changed positions even if there are some similarities between will linebacker and strong safety um 
in Gus Bradley's defense. That is a different position. You play with different leverage, different technique. And he went out there and made a big impact in his first game since being signed to the team after the Colts waived Shaquille Leonard. Give the, give the man credit. Uh, you know, going out there, playing, and, and stepping into a new position and uh, going there and making a play. And you could tell he has some safety or some corner or some defensive back, I should say, in him because the way he caught that ball, he caught that ball pretty <laughs> well uh, on an interception. So, you know, give, give, give the young man some credit there. And uh, he, he played, played the play well. And it's, you're happy to see that for someone going out there and just, you know, he didn't know how much he was going to play and he got in and he took advantage of the opportunity. When the opportunity came for him to make a play, he made a play and it was a big play. The Colts, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they converted that interception into uh, some points for themselves sure and got a off yep. that. So that was, uh, that's what you want to do. You know, you, you see, a, you know, you, the defense makes a good play and then, you know, hopefully the offense gets the ball and uh, after that turnover there and the offense goes down and scores points. And that's what, that's what you want. You want to, uh, take those turnovers and and get something positive out of that and score points and the Colts did that so give the uh, give give the young man some credit there for the play he made I'm happy for him and you know what uh, when someone is, gets comes up like that and uh, just uh, on the active roster and then it gets an opportunity to go out there and play you know you, you want them to show uh, what they can do out there in the football field and he showed that he can make a play and he did make a play. All right, well, the Colts are, as we speak again, they are the seven seed in the AFC following that Buffalo-Philadelphia absolute thriller. Uh, Buffalo's loss drops them to six and six. So real quick, the the AFC standings right now for wild card spots, Bill. Number five seed is Pittsburgh at seven and four. The Colts will play the Steelers in a couple of weeks. That game, the start time and day of that is still to be determined. The NFL could flex that game into a standalone window on Saturday. Based on it being a game between two teams that are currently in the playoffs, Bill, you feel pretty good about that game uh, being in some sort of standalone window. Uh, We'll see what the NFL decides in the coming days and weeks. Number six seed is the Cleveland Browns, a team the Colts lost to back in week seven. They are also seven and four with the Steelers and then the Colts at six and five. Currently they have the tie, the head to head tiebreaker over the Houston Texans at six and five. And they have the conference record tiebreaker over the six and five Denver Broncos. The Colts are four and three in the AFC. The Broncos are three and four uh, in conference. So the Colts got to keep winning these conference games. They have three in a row coming up, ending with what could be a huge game in the AFC playoff picture against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, the Broncos are ninth. The Buffalo Bills are 10th at six and six. They have a bye this coming up this week. And then the Cincinnati Bengals are at five and six and the 11 seed, the Colts will play them in two weeks. The 12 seed Las Vegas Raiders are five and seven. And then pending the outcome of the Chargers Ravens games tonight, uh, you got the Chargers down there with four wins. The Titans and Jets also have four wins. Bill, we're talking about the playoffs. I love it. <laughs> like that, It's good to be talking about the playoffs this time of the year, and that's what you want to be talking about in November and December, uh, having an opportunity to make the playoffs. And that's that's that sounds good. You know, it's kind of it's refreshing to, to hear that, that these guys have an opportunity, and that's all you want as a player. You just want an opportunity, and they have this opportunity. And you know what? If they can take care of business, uh, good things can happen by the end of the season. Yeah, and we're going to keep 
having breakdowns of all these next six Colts games and hopefully more right here on Instant Reaction on the Colts Audio Network. All right, coming up this week here on the Colts Audio Network, keep it locked in for the official Colts podcast on Tuesday and Thursday. Inside Football with Rick Venturi is out on Wednesday, and then Bill and I will be back a week from Sunday for a breakdown of the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. The Colts got to go down to Tennessee and win that game in Nashville next week against a tough divisional opponent that just knocked off the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Anyways, we will talk to you next Sunday here on Instant Reaction on the Colts Audio Network. For Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you after the Colts face the Tennessee Titans.